everybody and welcome back. I am the Bull and this is See the Bullski, the podcast where I talk about leadership, followership, resiliency, and wellness. Here we are. We only got a few weeks left before the end of the year and some big major holidays. So first I want to throw out a quick reminder. Please look out for those around you. You know, this time of year can be extremely stressful for a lot of people. And sometimes it's hard to ask for help. You know, we, we feel like asking for help, we're a burden to other people, or maybe we just feel ashamed needing that help. But the truth is we all need help sometimes and that's okay. So please just do me a favor, look out for those around you, family, friends, coworkers, and let them know that you're there to help them out if they need it. Speaking of help, I had a chance last week to uh, talk at a professional development course to some future frontline supervisors about emotional intelligence, which I have spoken about before. So please go check that one out if you haven't already done so. And at the end, I gave the audience a chance to ask me, you know, whatever questions they had, just kind of conversational. And one individual asked me about stoicism and leadership. Now, stoicism is a philosophical approach founded by Zeno of Citium from Athens. And I shared my thoughts about it as it relates to leadership. And I decided that it would be a great topic to discuss. So today I'm going to share some of my thoughts about stoicism and leadership. Let's get into it. Like I said, Stoicism is a philosophical school of thought and it is really old. Like it originated around the third century BC old. Uh, throughout the years, it's had a lot of names associated with it like Zeno of Sidium, Seneca from the Roman Imperial period, Marcus Aurelius, Epictetus, Cato, etc., etc. And maybe you've heard of some of these names and maybe you haven't, but you really should look into them and Stoicism in general because it is a fascinating school of thought with tons of applicability even today. Uh, Stoicism at its core is a fundamental endurance of pain or hardship without the display of feelings or without complaint. If you ever met somebody who is good or bad, you know, their demeanor never changes, then you might call them stoic, which is where that term comes from. The actual definition of stoic is one who is seemingly indifferent to or unaffected by joy, grief, pleasure, or pain or seemingly indifferent to or unaffected by pleasure or unaffected by emotional escalation. Sounds great, right? Well, it is in my opinion, but there are some flaws that come come with it, uh, but more on that later. For now, I just wanna get some baseline info out there. Along with the definition of Stoicism, there needs to be an understanding of the four pillars that hold Stoicism up. These pillars are wisdom, courage, justice, and temperance. Now, wisdom is the ability to know and define what is good for you, bad for you, or what is indifferent. So good are things like integrity, virtue, honor. Bad are things like lying, drugs, or greed. And indifferent things include money, fame, or possessions. Basically, indifferent things simply are, they just exist uh, without the determination except how they are used by people. So easy thing to remember here is that virtue is good and vice is bad. Courage is twofold, and it includes the physical courage, but it also includes moral courage. Seneca once wrote, There are misfortunes which strike the sage without incapacitating him, of course, such as physical pain, infirmity, the loss of friends or children, or the catastrophes of his country when it is devastated by war. I grant that he is sensitive to these things, for we do not impute to him the hardness of rock or iron. There is no virtue in putting up with that which one does not feel. Basically, you have to feel fear in order to overcome it, and that's where courage comes from. Whether it's physical or moral, we all face fear as leaders. We often will face fear not only in ourselves, but also for those we seek to lead or have follow us. Being courageous just means having that ability to retain our character and uphold our moral, uh, our moral compass in the face of fear. Again, whether that is physical or moral. The pillar justice is more than just rules or laws. 
This includes the duty we have to our fellow man, those around us, even to just society overall. Uh, things like fairness, respect, even kindness and support are all aspects of justice. Are we giving back to our society or community or only taking? Cicero, he was a Roman philosopher, said, Justice is the crowning glory of the virtues. I once read that justice could be said to be the most import, important Stoic virtue because it's the bedrock of your moral compass, uh, moral compass, and I've always liked that description. You know, a solid and straight moral compass is crucial because it involves everyone in the system or society. When we fail to take care of those around us, we ultimately damage ourselves by extension. Take, for example, as a leader, if you neglect the needs of your people, whether you know that need is time, resources, training, or just work-life balance, then your people may break down and then your ability to lead and accomplish your goals suffer. In serving others, we help ourselves and vice versa. The last pillar is temperance, and this is just another word for moderation. Uh, things like self-restraint, discipline, self-control all tie in here. Now, what, why does this matter? Well, temperance is the behaviors that help prevent us from depending on detrimental material things around us. Things like alcohol, social media, video games, consumer therapy. They might all make us feel good in the moment, but are they actually helpful or do they compound the problems or mask issues resulting in more discomfort and hardships down the line? That's the question. Now, along with these four pillars are some truths that form the bedrock that Stoicism is built on. Firstly, Stoicism asks that you hold true to nature, and what that means is remembering the nature of human life, which includes two basic rules. Rule number one is that humans are social creatures, which ties back to the justice and societal responsibilities. And rule number two is called the dichotomy of control, which I also call the Captain Jack Sparrow rule. Um, if you've ever seen Pirates of the Caribbean, probably, you know, it was a big movie. Uh, think back to when Jack and Will are on the deck when they're talking about uh, Will's father and Jack tells Will, the only rules that really matter are these, what a man can do and what a man can't do. And this is a massively important rule to remember and is probably the single more important aspect of Stoicism to me. Uh, the idea of control should matter a lot to leaders because in truth, a lot of leaders think they can control much more than they can. What leaders can control is themselves, their attitude, mindset, approach, behaviors, in, in when they issue like orders and directives. You know, I speak in military, but this is any kind of job. But what they can't control is what others think, other people's attitudes, their mindsets, even others' receptions of the orders. Like remembering the limits of your control as a person and certainly as a leader helps make sure that you're being realistic in your expectations. Something else to remember is that in reality, you only have control of your intentions, not the outcomes. Now, this might be where I lose some of you, but it's true. Outcomes exist in the material world, and they are subject to the influence of others as well as our own. It isn't uncommon for the outcomes to fall short of expectations, but this is where stoicism comes back into play by reminding us of our limits. Why does this matter? Because it is silly and wasteful to worry about things that you can't control. There's a family of, or there's a story of a famous Stoic. The name is escaping me. I apologize, uh, but he was asked about, you know, his thoughts about worrying about death, and I'm paraphrasing what he said. But what he said was, "Death is inevitable, and it's beyond my control. And since I'm not dead right now, I'm gonna go get lunch because it's lunchtime, and I can control that." The sentiment is that it's wasteful to spend energy worrying about things that you can't control, and this is where the pillar of wisdom comes back into play. Wisdom is central in learning to know the difference between what you can control and what you can't control. And I think the only way that you can gain that knowledge, that wisdom, is from experience and reflection. But remember to focus on your intentions more than just the outcomes. Outcomes may be important, 
But when you become overly fixated on the outcomes, then you can risk being called uh, toxic stoicism. And I'm going to talk about that a little bit later. But don't be overly focused on the outcomes. Look at the intentions. Like, strangely enough, the intentions matter more than just the outcomes. So quick recap. You know, stoicism is an old philosophical approach aimed at enduring hardship or pain or pleasure without complaint or comment. And this expands into remaining composed in the, in the presence of pleasure or hardship. It has four pillars, wisdom, courage, justice, and temperance. And it flows from two basic truths. Humans are social creatures and we function best when societal needs are being met. And that there are things we can control and things we can't control. Now, obviously, there is far more to stoicism than just that. But with just that basic explanatory stuff out of the way, I want to go back to the question that I was asked last week by this young aspiring supervisor, which is, does stoicism make a good leader? Now, I actually didn't learn about stoicism until about halfway through my career. And when I think back to the leaders that I've had in my career, most of the good ones that I know or knew, uh, they either knew or practiced or they included stoicism in their leadership styles. But I wouldn't exactly call them stoic leaders. Sure, they had moments of being stoic, but was their every action stoic? No, not at all. And even when I think about my own leadership approaches, sure, I've had I have some stoic tendencies, and I've had my stoic moments. Um, and I try to you know make use of these stoic principles and instructions. It, it helps me be more effective. But I am by no means completely stoic. And even though some may agree with me, may not agree with me. The question of does stoicism make a good leader or do you have to be stoic to be a good leader? The answer is no. Now, hear me out. When I say no, what I mean is that a 100% completely stoic leader would not make a good leader. And honestly, I don't even think that it's possible to be 100% stoic and certainly not 100% stoic leader. But let me explain why. And please remember that these are just my thoughts. And I truly encourage you to check out Stoicism for yourself and see what you think come to your own conclusions. For one thing, the ideas proposed in Stoicism are largely individualistic, meaning that they focus on how the individual lives their life. The reason I worry about this in terms of leadership is that while Stoicism can help an individual remain composed in times of hardship, the downside is that it doesn't account fully for how your decisions impact those around you. And as a leader, all your decisions impact those around you. Now, yes, I did mention that stoicism accounts for social importance through you know basic human nature. But stoicism focuses on how the individual conducts and interacts with the world. But a leader has to do that along with learning how to influence and stimulate the environment around them to allow motivation to flourish in the people that they are trying to lead. Now, Stoics, you know, hardcore Stoics would probably argue that you are not responsible for inspiring others or creating a motivating environment for others. But I have never met a good leader that acts that way and was worth their rank or position. A couple of leaders I knew that acted that way only cared about themselves and they discounted how those around them handled hardships. They hid behind Stoicism to say, well, you know, this is the best decision as I see it. And if it creates a hardship on you, that's for you to deal with doesn't really make a great leader. See, a purely stoic leader would, is not usually concerned with how others handle the hardships because it's beyond their control. And they end up discounting that their influence as a leader is what led to the creation of that harmful environment. And they just left it up to their people to deal with it. Yes, to an extent, this might be true. But the reality of leadership is that you have power and authority and what you do with those for whatever reason has an impact and the power differential means that you have a responsibility to take into account 
how your decisions impact others and not just push off the responsibility because you can't control how they'll handle it. Think of it like this. As a leader, let's say you're driving a car, right? The followers would be your passengers. Now, as a driver, you can't control the other drivers. You can't control the road conditions. You can't control your passengers. But what you can control is how you drive the car. And if you decide to drive fast or tired or recklessly, or you refuse to drive unless your passengers put on their seatbelts and just shrug off your responsibility as the driver to your passengers, then you're partly at fault if there is a crash, right? You can only control the car, but you control how you drive that car. And just because you're okay driving a certain way, if you crash, you might be fine, but what about your passengers? That's just kind of like a loose kind of how I think about it. Uh, you may not agree with that conclusion. You know, the fact remains that as a leader, you are in the driver's seat and you hold the ultimate responsibility for the safety of the passengers that are in your car. And often from a leadership perspective, especially in the military, people are put in your car whether they wished it or not. And yeah, you could say, well, they decided to be here. But that's just failing to address the argument, which is you are the leader and you are ultimately responsible for those that you lead. You're responsible to them. You're responsible for them. This is the first reason that I don't believe that a purely stoic leader is a good thing. That overly developed sense of individual versus the impact that a leader holds to others is it's just too easily detrimental to the followers in my in my experience. The second reason that I worry about a purely stoic leader is that it shies away from the good and the bad. Like stoicism itself shies away from good and bad. It focuses on remaining composed and balanced in all situations. Now you might be thinking, isn't that a good thing? You know, a calm, composed, rational leader that never gets angry. Yeah, it sounds great. But you're forgetting that an overly stoic person or an overly stoic leader also remains composed in times of happiness. See, stoicism warns against pain and pleasure. Why does this matter? Well, again, to me, how can a leader be effective if they are a machine? See, a machine is perfectly capable of making logical, rational, calculated decisions without the burden of emotions. But the fact of life is that humans are emotional creatures, and in order to be effective as a leader, you have to know how to tap into not only your emotions, but of those around you. Emo humans are emotional, and yes, sometimes emotions can be risky, but emotions are also the ultimate power source. Love, happiness, fear, even anger are powerful sources of energy. And they're the drives of our life. And the best leaders know how to tap into that feeling, those emotions, not only in themselves, but in those around them. That is where inspiration comes from. And true leaders inspire. Inspiration comes from our emotional centers. And it's what allows us to connect to other people through our deepest values, goals, ambitions, hopes, and dreams. When a true leader knows their people and what they need to feel motivated, and they're able to tap into that pool of potential, then inspiration thrives and people will perform at their best, not only for themselves, but for the leader that has that effect on them. Stoicism has a lot of value. It really does. And I hope you take my word for it and look into it more yourself. Personally, I recommend Meditations by Marcus Aurelius. It was his personal journal. Uh, he was a Roman emperor. It's a great book. Um, he wrote it not anticipating people to read it. And it is a fantastic read if, you, if you've never checked it out. Uh, so please, yeah, go check it out along with any other book on Stoicism. See what you think. The original question, though, was do I think Stoicism makes a good leader? Well, taken purely at face form, no. Do I think that Stoicism can help make a good leader or help make a good leader a better leader? Yes, but you have to be aware of toxic Stoicism. 
Now, toxic stoicism is just a way of pushing down or aside our feelings to maintain an appearance, and this is harmful not only to the person or leader, but also to those around that person or leader. Emotions aren't bad, they just are. And it's what we do with the emotions that matter. Passion is just an emotion, it's just a feeling, but it can drastically uh, augment your impact for either good or bad. It can inspire, it can move people around us to do things that they never thought they could or would. Anger is just an emotion. It can overcome fear as easily as it can overcome reason. Want me to prove it? Perfect example. Think of Hitler and Martin Luther King Jr. Both of these men were leaders. Both of these men were passionate. Both of these men were angry, yet one used his passion and anger to inspire terror in horrendous acts of brutality across the world. And one used his passion and anger to inspire positive social change, the likes of which has never been, a, has never been seen since. Emotions aren't the enemy. They just exist and they are fundamental to our existence as social creatures. But toxic stoicism negates that fundamental aspect of our lives and in, instead of learning balance and control of our emotions, we rather we have them control us. You know, I don't know if I messed up that last part, but you know, it, emotions are fundamental. That's the biggest thing I want you to, to hear from me. And learning how to control the emotions rather than just negate their existence is what truly matters. I think that stoicism does have a part to play. And since stoicism likes to focus on the realities of the human condition, I want to add some of my own. Humans have a capacity to be both logical and emotional. We are wired to be social creatures, which is what the Stoics believe, absolutely. And it's that ability for social and communal existence, it's only possible through emotions. Our emotions are hardwired to overcome logic, and that's from a survival aspect, and I've talked about that before. All of that being said, I don't think that Stoicism is wrong, but I also don't think that it's inherently right. I think it merely is. And how any individual integrates the beliefs of Stoicism into their lives plays the ultimate deciding factor. There are times as a person, and certainly as a leader, when you need to maintain control and remain composed. There are also times when it's okay to let your emotions empower you and to use that energy to empower and inspire those around you. As much as Stoicism talks about balance by refusing good or bad, I find this in itself to be out of balance. To me, true balance is learning to balance by including the good and bad, not suppressing them or not negating them. We aren't wired to be purely logical, but we also aren't wired to be purely emotional either. And any attempt at suppressing one will inevitably lead to issues both in the individual and also in those around that person. I'll even go one step further, all right? And I will say that you need negative emotions. We need pain. We need anger. We need the fires of injustice to burn inside us. Otherwise, there's not much motivation to seek justice. And by the way, reminder, that's a pillar of stoicism. I do not believe for an instant that anyone can live a full and complete life by ignoring the fires within themselves and learning to draw on that heat to warm our souls. But that doesn't mean you let the fires consume you. You can have a campfire in the forest. You just have to enclose it with rocks and not allow the embers to get loose and burn down the forest. Those rocks that you use to encircle the fire, those are your values, your morals, your internal compass, if you will. The awareness of the fire is your self-awareness. It's something that you carry with you, and it's your ability to reflect and correct your behaviors and your mindsets as needed. Saying that you don't want to have a fire in the woods because it might get loose and burn everything down is a great way to freeze in the middle of the night. 
Control is the key. And if nothing else, that's the biggest benefit that Stoicism provides, at least to me. It provides the framework to help you control yourself rather than be controlled by your impulses and reactions. So the next time you get fired up, stop and consider why and figure out if you are in control or if maybe your drives are controlling you. Bruce Lee once said, in order to control myself, I must first accept myself by going with and not against my nature. Going with is not the same as succumbing to. And that's really important to remember. So yeah, those are my thoughts on stoicism and leadership. Like many things, it all depends. There are times when you as a leader will need to be stoic to be effective, but there are also times when you need to let your emotional human nature flow and you can't learn to control, uh, true control, and learn how to fully and authentically contribute yourself if you're leading with one hand tied behind your back. And like it or not, emotions and logic are our left and right hands to reshaping and changing the world. We all have left and right hands, but we can all do something better with one than the other, right? Like, like writing, right? Most of us write better with one hand than the other. Most of us have that dominant hand. And this is a lot like our lives. We all have a dominant side, which we're more comfortable with in terms of logic or emotions. But we can all learn to write with the other hand, as it were. It, it just might take time and conscious effort. Boxers usually have a comfortable stance with either their left or right hand a little more forward, right? One for attack and one for defense. Well, th the best boxers know how to switch up their stance if they need to. And it's the same thing with leadership. If you get into a boxing, math, boxing match with only one hand, you're probably going to get knocked out on the side that's, you know, missing. So as a leader, use both your hands and keep your guard up. All right, so that's it for me. I am done philosophizing in your ear holes, but I hope you learned something. And again, these are just my takeaways and thoughts on stoicism and how it can relate to leadership. I'm not saying that I am right, but I just wanted to give you something to think about. So thank you for listening as always. Please make sure you check out my other recordings if you haven't done so. I hope you all have a wonderful week. Please go remember, check out stoicism for yourself. And with that, I will check you out next time.